This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to episode 36 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today, there's no intro as I am very busy stripping walls painting walls, having carpet delivered, and all of those lovely things that you do when you move house. So I hope you enjoy this interview and I will be back next week as normal with the intro and the wonderful episode. Hello and welcome back to the Rebel Author Podcast. Today I am joined by Libby Hawker. Libby also writes as Olivia Hawker is an international and Washington Post best-selling author of historical and literary fiction. She wrote the popular how-to guide, Take Off Your Pants, Outline Your Book for Faster, Better Writing, shortlisted for the Willa Literary Award, and has had her work translated into multiple languages. Welcome, Libby. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I am so honoured. I actually, as I mentioned just before we uh, started the show, I do have a copy um, of your book and I do use it to help me outline. So I was thrilled that you said um, you would come on the podcast. And for anybody who hasn't read Take Off Your Pants, not only does it have a wicked title, um, it's also (laughs) a really helpful book. So please do go out and get your copy because it will change your outlining life. Um, <laughs> but for for everybody listening who uh, maybe hasn't read your book or um, hasn't read your uh, fiction books, could you tell everyone a little bit more about your writing journey and how you how you got to where you are now? Sure, um, I've been writing full time for about six years now, and of course I love it. It's like even better than I dreamed it would be. It's, it's also totally different from what I dreamed it would be too. Um, But early on, not only in the first few years of doing this as my full-time job, but also while I was still holding down day jobs and writing on the side, I was very committed to just writing whatever I needed to write in order to pay my bills. (laughs) So um, early on, like from about 2012 to 2017, I was kind of a jack of all trades. I wrote very prolifically then um, because I I had to in order to (laughs) keep the money coming in. And I did a lot of different genres under a lot of different pen names. And um, that period of my career, looking back, it was very exhilarating. It was nice to know that I could bang out a whole bunch of books that would sell pretty well in a short period of time. Um, But it was also a little exhausting. (laughs) So I'm very glad that I had that experience because I think it gave me a really well-rounded view of the publishing industry and a lot of sensible grounding and how to manage a writing career and make it profitable. Um, But I have to say, now that I've kind of established myself to the point where I can just focus on what I enjoy writing most, which is literary fiction, and I only have to do like one book, maybe two a year, um, I'm a lot less stressed out and I'm enjoying all the aspects of the career much more now. Oh my goodness me, so many questions. So um, today is actually my one year anniversary of having quit my job. So um, yeah, thank you. So I suppose, so, and this is completely um, ad lib now, but I, I'm interested what, six years down the line, what, what have you learned? Like how, you know, what is different from when you started or when you got to the end of your first year to where you are now? Um, I learned that there, there is no right way to do it. Um, Sorry, are you still with me? Yeah, I am, yeah. Oh, sorry, my phone just had a weird glitch. Um, I've learned that there's no, there's no right way to do it. There's no, um, 
there's no one path that's going to get you to a full-time writing career. It's, it's literally take whatever opportunity comes your way, <laughs> do it for as long as you can. And if it's not exactly what you want to be doing as a writer, always have your eyes out for however you can transition to the next phase that'll get you closer to your ultimate goals. <laughs> Amazing. I love it because there's so many people that would say, oh, well, you know, you, you can't make a living in this genre or you can't make a living in that genre. And it's all nonsense. Like you can build an audience in whatever genre if you are prolific enough and you continue to actively try and grow that audience um my other question just based on what you were saying is how did you write to market I suppose and, and I don't mean market in the sense of the way that Chris Fox explains writing to market but I mean you said that you wrote what paid the bills so that might not have been where your heart lays if your heart lies in historical fiction and literary fiction so how did you because I I've got a book now that I nearly bent towards a more popular genre and aged up rather than writing in young adult, which is basically, you know, owned by the traditional publishing industry rather than indies. Right. Yeah. Um, but I can't, I can't do it. That I have to write what I love. And so, yeah, I'm curious, how did you do that? How did you reconcile that in your mind and in order to be able to get in the characters' heads? Well, I really just, I thought of it as a job, you know, my, my job was like, if I wanted to pay my bills, I was going to have to give my readers what they were asking for, which in my case was more stuff set in ancient Egypt. I mean, I got pretty sick of writing about ancient Egypt after a couple of books, but they wanted more and it was paying my rent and everything else. So I was like, okay, I guess this is my job now. And uh, even though sometimes it felt like a real drag to just have to, you know, sit down at my desk and write another book that I didn't really feel emotionally invested in or really excited about, I, I kept telling myself, you know, it's a lot better than sitting in a cubicle and doing accounts payable for a cruise company, which was <laughs> one of my many previous day jobs. So it's just, you know, you just kind of have to, you have to expect sometimes writing full time is going to be a drag and sometimes that drag is the fact that you're not writing what you want to write, but you know it's going to get you there. You know, you just have to keep doing it the way you kept doing your day job, even though it wasn't your passion. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I never, I, that's really given me some uh, food for thought because I would love to write in a really popular genre um, in, in the <laughs> indie sphere just so that I can, you know, make some dollars. But um, well, yeah. The, the tricky part about trying to transition into something that's already really popular in the indie sphere is that it's really popular and it's super hard to stand out and mm. and make get, get eyeballs on you, you know, to start with. If it's a flooded market and, you know, if it's urban fantasy or whatever, which I've done in the past, um, it was really fun to write, but it's so hard to stand out in because there were mm. so many really good authors already with huge fan bases and it was just difficult to <laughs> to mm. make your mark. I think that most genres are, um, I, I just think the act of trying to build a readership is hard. It doesn't matter what genre yeah. you're in, to be honest. I agree. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, I suppose what I'm saying is that I would love to be able to have the, the skill to write quickly in a genre where I could hit like a niche market or a hot, you know, and, and I just don't, I write the stories that I love and that's the <laughs> end of it. And, you know, I just, I need to be good at that and then I will build an audience and it will be fine. Um, anyway. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it just means it will take you longer to get there than it takes some other writers. That's okay. It's not a race, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. If yeah. it takes you, 
10 years to get to that point, then whatever, then that's how long it takes. That's okay. Exactly. And I've done the hard part of quitting my job anyway. So, you know, I'm going to survive. Um, Okay. (laughs) So we are really here to talk about outlining. Uh, You've written, as we have mentioned, this amazing book called Take Off Your Pants. Um, So what steps led you down the path of your own outlining methods? How did you discover your process and your system? Yeah, well, since I had that experience for several several years of supplying uh, high volume content to a handful of different brands, um, I realized pretty quickly that I had to take an organized approach to my writing. So I needed to cut down on anything that wasn't an efficient use of my time, which for me meant shaving off as much extraneous work as I could and really tightly focusing my time on just writing a usable story that was like as close to a finished product as I could get it on my own without the help of an editor. So that way, when I did send my books off to their editors, the editorial process was really fast and streamlined. So I had minimal changes I needed to make to each of my books. It was mostly just typo hunting and a little bit of polishing up my prose. I didn't have to like totally rewrite anything or, or you know, question what I did with the character or whatever. And then I had the book turned around and published and in readers' hands in the shortest possible time. So in order to get to that point, Um, I spent some time really making a close study of different approaches to the craft of storytelling, like how to put all the elements of a story together in a way that minimized screwing around, basically, and got me to a useful finished product efficiently. Um, So to do that, I looked at quite a few different theories and methods in a wide variety of storytelling media, actually, not only prose writing like I was aiming to do, but also screen and stage writing. And I found, you know, the most useful information for my personal method um, came from a pretty well-known screenwriter named John Truby, which, as you know, since you've read Take Off Your Pants, and anybody else who's listening who might have read my book um, knows that I credit John Truby a few times in that book uh, for specific things that I learned from him. Um, I also rolled a lot of other stuff I learned from other teachers into Take Off Your Pants, too, like standard Western story structure that we see in Joseph Campbell's work, like with the concept of the hero's journey, yada, yada. So... It was just kind of a, a mishmash of like whatever I found that really resonated with me as I was studying storycraft, I kind of pulled into this method that I was making for myself. I love that. Um, and I am a huge um, student, a, a perpetual student, and I constantly read craft books and I constantly try to um, develop my processes. And I have a very clear nonfiction process now, but I'm still developing my fiction process. I don't think I've really, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't written enough non, uh, enough fiction to have narrowed down that process. I think it takes, you know, multiple books before you really uh, pin that down. Um, yeah. So how, how would, um, because everybody has different outlining methods and I'm not going to open the, you know, writing into the dark versus the outlining debate here, but how can an author pick or discover an outlining method that works for them because obviously most of us have read lots of books on outlining but how can you really work out what works for you that's a great question I I really want to stress as I do in take off your pants that there is no one right way to tell a story and so much of how you present a story to an audience will depend not only on your culture of origin um, but also the culture of the majority of your audience uh, you know, there different different cultures have different expectations on how a story should flow and what elements it should have in it. So some of that will come into your own storytelling method. Um, 
and your own outlining method. And you know, you also want to consider what sort of tone you want to have, what kind of atmosphere you want your book to have, what kind of themes you want to explore. And what I think is most critical in deciding uh, how to outline a book is um, deciding whether you orient more toward character-driven or action-driven stories. And these are all right ways to approach story craft. Like I said, there's not one right way. Any way is the right way. <laughs> if, it, if it tells a story, it's right. And as an author, you really have to learn how to trust your gut and go with a method and a mode of story that feels appealing and enjoyable to you. Um, the way I tell a story and the way you tell a story may be totally different, and that's okay. There's room for and there's need for all different kinds of story out there in the market and in people's lives. And I certainly don't claim to have the one true method, but I, but I do think even if you aren't uh, oriented toward character-driven stories like I am, there's a lot you can learn by studying the methods employed by writers who work differently from your preferred method. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best things I ever did, I'm going to go on a tangent here, sorry, but <laughs> one of the best things I ever did for my prose writing was to really intensely study poetry. I've never published my poetry. I probably never will. But um, for a decade now, I've belonged to this writer's group that exclusively focuses on writing and critiquing poetry. And that study of something that's so unlike what I typically do with, with my you know, quote unquote real writing has made my real writing much stronger and much more unique. And I've gleaned so much useful stuff from this totally different writing experience. And it's really strengthened what I do for a living. So even if you're more action oriented as a novelist, um, don't be afraid to learn about and try some of the methods employed by character-oriented writers and vice versa too. Like if you're really into character, study action. Like I said, the most valuable stuff I got from my own study of storycraft, I didn't get from a novelist. I got from a screenwriter. So, you know, expand a little bit. Like even if you think you hate character-oriented stories, give it a shot. Try, try like outlining one book, even if you don't end up writing it from a character perspective and just see how it changes the way you think about stories. I love that so much. I loved that you mentioned poetry as well. So I am a secret uh, poet. I haven't, oh, published, I haven't published my poetry, um, but I write a very specific type of poetry. So I write expressionist poetry. So oh, cool, yeah. Yeah, like the micro poetry. I, I like to think of it as the copywritten poetry um, oh. in the same way that you <laughs> yeah. copyright marketing blurbs. Um, yeah. But so like the Rupee Core and stuff like that. And I think, yeah. I think I'm going to push myself to publish some of it just because I really really love Good. it um but yeah it's terrifying but so the other thing I was going to say is I've just written uh, and I'm in the launch phase it's behind me um of a book called The Anatomy of Prose and in there oh. I literally say you guys need to study poetry you need to yes. study flash fiction you need to study <laughs> short stories like because all these things help you to cultivate um your craft you have to widen your circle of learning it's not just your genre that you should be reading um so I love that the the other thing that I was going to come back to was um finding uh, so like in my journey to find this process that works for me of outlining I have been fine until my most current book because <laughs> all, all, all of my stories have followed the positive arc the book I'm writing now is a tragedy uh, but it has a positive character arc so the character changes for the better they overcome mm -hmm. their flaw but the story is a tragedy so I have these like conflicting like the story arc is negative and and you know the but the character arc is positive and it's just oh my god it's a complete head fuck and trying to match it to a normal outline is really hard so for like anyone out there who 
is trying to find an outlining process that works, but you know, most of them are for like normal arc stories. It's, it's just hard. It's, uh, it's much easier. It's much easier to find sort of pre-made outlines for you that say you, you just fill in the blanks um, for genres where it's expected that you'll have like a positive overall story arc. Like um, I know there's a really popular like three act with pinch points. I don't remember who originated this outline method, but it's for the romance genre. And it's like, you know, this scene, you have your hero and heroine meet, and then you have a couple scenes and then you have a pinch point and then you have this second act and then a pinch point and someone out there knows what I'm talking about. It sounds very familiar to some of your listeners right now. They're nodding and I can't think of the name of the person. Dang it. But yeah, that's, it's a very popular outline method, but it comes from a genre where the readers expect not tragedies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it's a different, it's a different mode of um, story construction, but I will tell you this. Uh, I am currently making a very good living off of tragedy stories where there is still nevertheless like a positive character change, but the overall tone of the story is very dark and tragic. So, um, so don't worry, you'll, (laughs) you'll be fine. There is definitely, oh, there is definitely an audience for this type of book and it's an underserved audience. They want more of this stuff, but publishers keep saying like, no, everyone wants happy stories that are explicitly happy and joyous. And I'm like, "Mm." Not no, if you not read true. my books. Like, sometimes have you, have you, you just... seen how many good reviews I have? Like, no. Exactly. And sometimes <laughs> you just want to have a good cry. And, and yeah. like, that is my literal goal. My goal with this book is to make every single reader cry. And if I don't make oh, them good. cry, I haven't done my job. <laughs> Listen, I, you can do it. You can get there because I am making a living by just making people break down and weep. It's wonderful. <laughs> so That's actually, so evil. <laughs> I, I know, it's great. I love it. I, I my favorite review ever, I like took a screenshot of it and posted it on Instagram because I loved it so much. It said, it was basically the review, it was like five stars and it said, people on the prairie farming and crying. And that was all, <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's this book in a nutshell. Farming I love it. And crying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it was um, great. <laughs> I love it. That literally, that is like author goals right there. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk more specifically about taking off your pants. Um, okay. How, can you give everybody an overview of how to outline uh, using your pant taking off method? Yeah, uh, so this is, this is how, when I outline a book, which I don't do with every book, um, this is how I do it. <laughs> and again, there's no, no one right way. This is my way. Um, So for me, I'm most focused on where the character is going internally. Um, So they start out at at the beginning of the story with something that's kind of like broken inside them. Something's not quite right. They're not at like a state of inner peace somehow, you know. And then the events that make up the plot of the book, these sort of external things going on um, beyond the character's self, sort of help to reshape them into a more whole and stable personality by the end of the story. So my outlines are all constructed around understanding what's initially wrong with this character personality wise and how they're going to fix that internal problem so rather than focusing on events with like x happens then y then z in this kind of logical um like tipping over dominoes (laughs) um, order i'm focusing on these like little pokes and prods that are kind of coming out of the ether to sort of encourage this character to change who they are inside so it's it's definitely like I mentioned before, very character focused. It's not an action focused plot style. You can still have a lot of action in this type of story, but you're going to kind of design that action around what it's doing to your character internally. So that's sort of what it's based on. 
Okay, so let's get a bit more detailed then. What are the key points of an outline? What is that skeleton or, or backbone that every writer needs to create the, um, I'm gesturing, but you know, the story arc. <laughs> what a words this late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, mo the most basic formula of any kind of story that I've ever come across, which I'm sure there are other kinds of stories out there, is that you have, first of all, a character, obviously, you've got to have someone to focus your attention on, who wants something, but something prevents them from getting what they want easily, so they struggle against that force, and they either get what they want, or they don't. And then there's always something at stake for that character, too, like, if it's just, like, you know, uh, I want more money, but I'm perfectly financially comfortable now. I just want to be richer. Like, that's not interesting. You know, like, who cares? <laughs> no one cares, Jared Kushner. <laughs> you know, you want to you wanna give someone a, a reason, an emotional reason to feel invested in the struggle that that character is going to go through. So that's like really the skeleton that sort of holds up any story. Um, and that's also, you know, that's kind of in a nutshell, the basis for the outlines I write, too. Amazing. I'm, I'm literally trying to scribble down a note because I, you've just made me think of something excellent for my book. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Um, OK, right. So uh, what mistakes do you see writers making when they do try an outline? Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think probably the biggest mistake I see authors making with outlines is in trying to see your outline as being carved in stone and unchangeable. Like once you have an outline, sometimes it's easy to become sort of afraid from deviating from it. Um, even if as you begin to write, maybe you discover a new way of looking at your character's dilemma or his personality or the circumstances and setting in which he finds himself. And it's okay to make adjustments as you get better ideas or as you find more clarity. Um, don't become so much in awe of your outline that it becomes like gospel to you. You know, it, it's just a tool like any other tool that's just there to make your job a little bit easier. So when that happens and you do um, deviate, do you then go back and rewrite your outline or do you just keep going? Like, do you, do you update it as a reference tool at all? Or do you, yeah, do you just plow on? I'll typically, like, I'll take a look at what still needs to be written. Um, so if I'm, you know, halfway through the book or whatever, and I suddenly realize something important has been sort of building up in my character's personality as I've been working on these scenes, um, I'll take a look at the scenes I still need to write as they're outlined and see how I can work that new discovery in. Um, so it feels cohesive. It doesn't feel like I just dropped a thread in the middle of the story that way to the reader. So I'll kind of keep it alive and nurture it all the way to the end of the story. But, um, but yeah, I'll just, I'll just kind of look at how I can readjust what I'm going to be writing um, to make sense of this thing I've discovered. I don't necessarily, like, I'm not going to go and start the whole book over again. That's a lot of wasted time. Yeah. So you, I heard you mention um, a little while ago that you don't always outline books. So I find that right. interesting. How do you know whether or not you need to outline a book? Oh, man. I, I wish I could give you a solid answer on that. I don't really know. Um, Sometimes some books just come to me in certain forms already, which just sounds really weird and crazy, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sound weirder and crazier, though, towards the end of this podcast, so buckle up, everybody. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but um, sometimes some books just sort of come to me, and I already know what they want to be, and they don't really need me to outline them to get them there. I just kind of let them reveal themselves as I work on them, and I just trust that it's going to work out okay. Um, which 
doesn't sound reassuring to people who are earlier in their career and are wondering how, how to get to the point where I am now. So I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that I no, I love you. it. I love it. I've had another guest um, talk as well about how um, the story some or quite often will dictate whether or not it needs to be outlined and, and that people, you know, writers should be able to accept that um, to be more flexible. You know, sometimes a project needs to be outlined, sometimes a project doesn't, and it will just depend on the book and the characters. And also you do not sound weird. I walked past a lamppost and this story <laughs> fell into my head. So like, you, oh, if anyone's crazy here, it's me. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally believe you because that happens to me all the time all of my best books have like jumped out of somewhere and just smacked me in the face and in fact have you ever read big magic by elizabeth gilbert yes i have yeah yeah so for those who have not read this book it, it's about the creative process whether you're a writer or a painter or whatever what are the type of creative person you are or want to be um, and it's about like how people relate to the act of creating stuff and it's really fascinating and wonderful it's a great book but um elizabeth gilbert and i share an opinion uh, share an, an animistic view of the universe, which means that everything around you has a personality and a spirit and a, a self and is literally alive in some way. And that includes um, stories and ideas. They are their own things, their own entities that float around. And sometimes they pick you and attach to you and just tell you what to do. And when that happens, just do it. Just, just trust in it and go with it because yeah. it's some other force talking to you and you're basically just channeling. So, um, it's always that, a nice, happy thing when that occurs. I and I, I would say ninety percent of my stories have been like that. Definitely an external thing that has just appeared, and and I definitely feel like I channel stories as well. And and that's the most annoying part for me is that they, I I will want to do something in the story or the plot, or I want the characters to do something, and they just don't. They just refuse, and I'm like, how can something that I'm supposedly creating refuse to do what I'm asking it to do? Like, how? That's how yeah. I know they must be real or sentient know, in because, some way. Because yeah, they they're their own entities, and and in with those types of stories, there you know there are two different types: they're the kinds that you just create out of your own mind, and you are fully in control of them, and those are the kinds of stories you outline. <laughs> And there are the other kinds that come to you and find you because they have chosen you to write them and mm -hmm. you are not in control of those stories. Um, I just finished up one of those for my publisher that um, I had another book under contract with this publisher and it was not coming along well. It was very difficult to write. Um, and this other idea came to me and I actually withdrew the first book from my publisher and said, I'm going to write this other one for you instead. And you have to trust me that it's, it's the book that wants to be written now. And so my editor, who's wonderful, he was like, okay, I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so that is amazing. Um, so I did and I and I wrote this book really fast. I mean, I think it took me like 4 weeks to write. It just poured out of me, but I did have one point where I tried to change it. I tried to make it do something else and it just screeched to a halt. I slammed into a brick wall with that book. I could not work on it and I had to sort of humbly apologize to the book and go back and start over and say, "Okay, you're in control again." And as soon as I did that, it came together. It was great. I finished that book up. It was one of the best I ever wrote. Oh and at the end of it, thing. I said, thank you, book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is, that's kind of how I feel with this story. Um, even though it did just appear out of nowhere, I am outlining it just because it is that, that complex of a tragic story, but a yeah. positive story character arc but um i i was halted there was a gap there was a hole and i couldn't work out how to get from where i was to the end like in, because basically i i know a lot of the story and the outline but um i don't write pages and pages of outline i just write yeah. enough um 
but I, I knew it wasn't right. And there was a whole, anyway, I, I, one thing came to me and then all of a sudden this, this past week, I realized, or, or I didn't realize, I say I realized it wasn't me. It just, it just appeared from nowhere that um, one of the other characters wanted to be the narrator, but a secret narrator that gets revealed at the end. And Ooh. the whole thing just opened back up. Oh, and I, I was like, that. yeah, I am so freaking excited to write this book now because I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, literally, it's going to be amazing. Well, I'm excited anyway. to read it. It sounds awesome. <laughs> I am, like, super geeking out over this. But anyway, where am I? We, we just, are going I, on all kinds of tangents before, before we go off this tangent, though, because I, I'm worried we may have just, like, terrorized some of your listeners, <laughs> I, I want to stress, you can write an equally good book, whether you outline it and whether you feel totally in, in control of it from the beginning to end, or whether it's one of these weird ones that has its own personality and, like, jumps out of the bushes at you. Like, there, one type of book is not better than the other. You can make equally great works of literature or mm -hmm. works of whatever your genre is um, by doing either method. So if you have yeah. not yet had the experience where a weird animistic uh, self-contained story finds you and clobbers you over the head and tells you to write it, don't worry. It's okay. Just <laughs> outline a book anyway and write your own book. And someday you will also get attacked by a story. <laughs> so. And it really is being attacked by it. There is no other way oh, yeah. to describe it. And it's also, I completely agree with everything you just said. I have written both <laughs> stories. Like, and, the, and the weird thing is in my series that I'm writing at the moment, I have both types of story. So I have outlined and I have also just gone with it. And um, yeah, it's, it's very weird how these stories uh, do this. But anyway. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. what, what tips or tricks do you have for someone who wants to be a better outliner and is able to get some kind of a rough outline, but then hits a blank spot and can't fill in mm. the blanks or complete the outline to make it more comprehensive? Yeah, um, you know, if that's the case, if you're running into that particular problem, you're probably focusing on the wrong things in your outline. So you're probably super focused on the events, the kind of external stuff that's going on around your character, when what you should be focused on is what's happening inside your character's head and heart. Um, what's going on outside is almost incidental. In many, many books, you could significantly change a lot of external details, but still get basically the same overall feel and themes in a story. Um, so like, if you strip out all the Hogwarts and Voldemort and Quidditch stuff, you can pretty much boil Harry Potter down to basically the same emotional changes in the main characters as you would get in like Arthurian legend. So you take these world building details or plot specifics that you get so hung up on as a writer, um, they aren't as critical as we often think they are. And when you pull them out and you stop focusing so much on um, the action of a story or the world building of a story, it's more or less the same emotional soup that you can put in any action or any any world that you've built you'll still get the same flavor <laughs> that you're gonna impart to the reader if that makes sense so so just like if you're really stuck and you don't know what happens next in your outline stop asking what happens next and start asking what your character feels next and that's how you can get over that oh my actual goodness gracious <laughs> I just feel, blow your mind? Yeah, yeah you so <laughs> did. Like, I, I was literally writing it down on, on a post-it, like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, my brain is, like, explaining. 
Um, so this this was a totally selfish question because I okay. have um, outlined lots. I, I try to outline, and also I have quite often that is what will happen. I'll come against a brick wall because I just don't know um, what to do. And oh, that makes so much sense to me. Um, I think Good. you have literally changed my life. Oh wow, um, man! Yeah. You're gonna give me a big head. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, uh, wow, I I am. Yeah, I'm gonna be clipping that and putting it on repeat on my phone every time I hit a brick wall. Oh, oh great. You're going to be you. listening to my nasally voice talking to you. Like, <laughs> it's the last thing anyone needs. <laughs> oh, I am so grateful um, because, oh. yeah, that is everyone listening. Like, I hope you are having as big, 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 big a, uh, like a mind explosion as I'm having. Um, okay. Well, this is the Rebel Author Podcast. So tell me about a time that you unleashed your inner rebel. Yeah, this is the question I was dreading because everyone says that. Kind of a, <laughs> well, I have pretty closely involved my writing with some personal beliefs and practices, which I don't really talk about, um, just because a lot of people out there would misunderstand and think I'm a total weirdo, when in reality, I'm, I'm pretty boring and conventional. <laughs> um, but I do have a lot of uh, so shall we say rituals involved in my writing that really help me focus and keep up my momentum that would probably be um, off-putting to most of your listeners. <laughs> um, but I can say um, I really think outside the box a lot and I try to take a bird's eye view of kind of the culture beyond the publishing industry um, and how I can get involved with other things outside of writing to help influence the direction of my writing career. Um, so I'll give you an example. <laughs> A little over a year ago, I was wrapping up work on a historical, like a literary historical novel. Um, and I got towards the end of it and I thought, you know, this could probably become like a major book if I, if I worked it right. Um, it could probably make a really big media splash if I just handle it a little more carefully than I normally do. So instead of just self-publishing it like I normally would do when I finish up a book, um, instead I approached a guy who hosts a very popular podcast that has nothing to do with books or writing. I actually traveled to where he lives several states away from me and took him out to dinner and sat him down and explained why he needed to cover this particular historical topic on his podcast and why his audience in particular would be so incredibly invested in this subject. Um, I sold this idea to him really hard. I also bought him a lot of alcohol <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> um, and nine months later, his podcast did a six part series on the subject I pitched to him. And those six episodes actually became some of the most downloaded topics ever on an already wildly successful podcast with a massive audience. So as soon as he did this podcast about quote unquote, my topic, I leveraged that cultural buzz that he and I had kind of secretly created together. And I got a major agent at a big agency. And now um, with people still showing increased interest in this historical subject, because this, the, um, the, the podcast just came out last fall. Um, the novel I wrote about this subject is now out on submission to major publishers through my new agent, and we've already had one publisher approach us about a possible preempt. So I would say <laughs> that manipulating what people outside the book industry are thinking and talking about in order to help my ass sell a book on the most favorable terms <laughs> somebody like me can ever hope to get um, was a fairly rebel author power move. So that's that my story. is absolutely epic. 
I am. I love that story so much. I'm, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty, pretty proud of myself for that one. It was a power yeah. move. And it was like, I mean, it was a year long plot and it worked. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's amazing. I love yeah, that you played crazy. the long game like that. I am. Um, it's funny. Um, I have done like a bonus podcast episode uh, where I look back on my lessons and literally one of my lessons is um, keep learning, but learn inside the industry and learn outside the industry because you get yeah. to a point where you cannot, um, you can't uh, learn. You know, well, you can always learn more about our industry. You can always learn more about your craft. But if you want to keep growing and developing, you have to increase your circle of learning. And the only way yes. to do that is to look outside. And I have a, I, I have a vast array of. I mean, I love conspiracy theories. I also climb, yeah. I also <laughs> climb into abandoned buildings, like derelict buildings, oh. quite a lot. That's quite well. Illegal. After you're, after you're done recording, I'm going to tell you what this podcast was that I worked with. You probably know it already, but yeah, oh, amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I really love um, that you look at outside the box and look outside the industry because I think more writers and authors should do that because much as I get a lot of business knowledge from this sector I do not derive my inspiration from this sector um right so yeah absolutely and, um, and you know nothing exists in a vacuum we, yeah. we the publishing industry is so insular and it's frustratingly stupidly insular sometimes but it's easy to believe that the only thing that matters in publishing is what's already in publishing, you know, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they, they make their decisions based on uh, currents they feel shifting in the broader culture around them too. So like you have to be tapped into what else is going on in the world to understand um, what's going to sell next and what's not. If, if you're trying to sell to a publisher or really even if you're just an Indian, you're trying to sell to average readers directly. Um, you have to kind of have a feel for, what the next thing's going to be. How are people thinking right now? Like right now during this pandemic, how are people's ideas about story um, changing? Like, are they going to want stories about pandemics or are they going to want happier, lighter stories? Or mm -hmm. is something that um, is set in kind of alternative reality is going to be really popular for a while where we can feel sort of escapism? Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know any of those questions, but it's things we need to be asking ourselves right now because we have to be paying attention to what's going on outside our little narrow borders. Absolutely. For me, my brain's whirring on, you know, government, government, that villain, control, conspiracy, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, okay, tell listeners where they can find out more about you and your books. Um, well, my general author page is hawkerbooks.com, H-A-W-K-E-R, books.com. Um, so all my books are there. Uh, and all my indie books actually are 99 cents right now during the lockdown because, you know, just trying to, trying to make it easier on everyone who's struggling with money right now. Um, and I also just started a new kind of fun endeavor just sort of for my own enjoyment where I write little short essays and also review all the books I've recently read. So if anyone out there is a fan of literary fiction and wants to hear my opinions on books I've read recently, you can find that at libbieslist.com. Um, just make sure you spell it right. My name is spelled L-I-B-B-I-E, libbieslist.com. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you to everyone listening and thank you to all my patrons as well. If you would like to get early access to all of the episodes then you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Sasha Black and that's Sasha with a C and not an S. I almost forgot my name then. Um, <laughs> I'm Sasha Black, you are listening to Libby Hawker and this was the Rebel Author Podcast.
Next week, I'll be talking to Mallory Cooper all about how to create trans characters and also how to build a universe. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Oh,